Crime Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat, and welcome to the Crime Chat. I am your forensic femme fatale, Natalie, is your true crime addict connoisseur. I'm still singing from last week. Yeah. <laughs> We're just two normal girls obsessed with dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. And here's your disclaimer, Chatters. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of maybe fantastical violence scenarios today <laughs> so your listener discretion is advised before we get into all that cat what have you done uh finished only murders in the building <sighs> oh okay i'm like what's next but you haven't seen the last season right Mm-mm. you haven't seen season three okay Mm-mm. i won't spoil it for you okay but ta-da ta-da there's another murder the last episode that teases a new season <laughs> that's it yeah but is yep. it good? It was it because yes. the first two seasons were insane. Well, no, first season really good. The yes, I like this one. It's actually a little bit kookier, if you can imagine. But I like it. Okay. Yeah, I think it was really good. And then Chris and I watched. Remember a couple months ago, we were talking about the movie Thanksgiving that came out over Thanksgiving. The the thriller. Yeah. It reminded me a lot like Scream. Oh. Like the Scream series. And it's kind. It was kind. Of, it's got Patrick Dempsey in it, I, and I. And I guess I didn't realize that it was actually really. It was cute. Eh, not really too jumpy, but like it was entertaining. It was entertaining. Okay. And then the last thing is, Chris was at work, and I was trying to find something to watch. Right. And so, I went. <laughs> I was feeling superhero like, so I watched the Flash movie for DC Comics. I know of it. I've never seen a Flash movie. Well, I, it's the first one that came out of the Flash on its own, like with this new DC Universe characters, mm. right? And I guess it didn't do too well in the ratings, but I really liked it. Was it good? <laughs> I, I thought so. I Because it had like, a, so Ben Affleck obviously p- plays Batman, it had a cameo appearance from him, had a cameo appearance from Gal Gadot wonder woman there right in the beginning okay. in the opening scene but he goes back in time like he runs so fast that he's able to go back in time mm-hmm. and there's i don't i won't ruin it for you but there's a purpose that he does but when he goes back he gets he finds his younger self and says you have to go to this place so you get your powers because if you don't if you're not there and you don't get your powers i don't have my powers kind of thing so right. they go to that same place where they're supposed to be at well the older Flash loses his powers and the younger one gets it. So he's trying to like train the younger one on doing things like uh-huh. you can't move other human beings so fast because of the molecules and they end up puking and everything. Right. <laughs> anyway, so when they go back, they, they try to find other people of the Justice League. They find Bruce Wayne, but it's not Ben Affleck. It's Michael Keaton. Oh, my God. I thought that was super clever. Yeah. I thought it was really cute. And then when they, he ends up going back into like his real time in life. Right. And then Bruce Wayne pops up and it's George Clooney. Because George Clooney played Batman, too. Did he? Uh-huh. Well, yep. How many Batmans? Wait a minute. A lot. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's Michael Keaton, then Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. George Clooney was in there. Mm-hmm. Christian. Bale. Um, Bale. Awesome Batman. Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. And Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. Yeah. There's been quite a few Batmans, but I thought it was super clever that they brought other actors who played Batman. That's pretty cool, actually. I like the movie. It apparently got bad reviews as far as being part of, like, the DC universe. But, like, you know, I'm a Marvel girl, but I'm opening my mind to DC. Yeah. And apparently there's this whole other series because the new Aquaman just came out. And Chris and I are probably going to watch it this weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll watch it tonight. Because uh, I do want to see the new Aquaman. Jason Momoa. Oh, he's, he's amazing. He's, am- he's amazing. <laughs> He's a, he's a hot man. So I have a lot of a lot of things that I've been doing. Like my finals are over in school and stuff, so I have a little bit more time now. <laughs> a little bit more time. So what about you? So I am up to date with True Detective. Did you get to? Yeah. And oh, so we have one more episode left. We have episode six that is not released yet. Right. Um, that's where we're at. I looked this up, and I'm not the only person that feels that season two was stupid. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of heavy hitters, like I said, with the actors and the actresses, yeah. but it just, the story did not come around. It didn't, yeah. it, didn't it didn't get there, you know? Yeah. yeah. So season one was my favorite, then season two sucked, and then season three was better, but it was drawn out a little bit. It was the guy mm-hmm. with that had the memory issues, so yep. I found that to be just a real uh, interesting plot. I started season four, and uh, the first episode, do you remember... The crime scene, like, mm-hmm. there's a real case it was based on. Oh, 
and it, I caught it immediately. I'm like, oh my god, this is that. I'm like, this is gonna be that, and then it turned out to be something else because that's yeah. true detective. Where you start is not always where you end up. So, like, we started here, and I'm like, oh, my God, there's going to be a supernatural spinoff mm-hmm. on it, and da 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 and, so, and we're so far from that. So, have you ever heard, Russia has this incredible mystery called the Devlov Pass. I know I'm not pronouncing correct. <laughs> D-Y-A-T-L-O-V. Alexa, what's the Devlov Pass? The dog is a symbol of peace and hope. <laughs> Alexa, shut up. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> The dove is a symbol of peace and hope. We're going to write the name right here. Okay. So that incident that happened, and that happened in 1959, and it was a bunch of hikers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if they were actually working on the mountain doing research or whatever, but it was... Like a research facility, kind of, collecting research. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they would have, like, these little spots or meeting points that would they would go to, and they had this one cabin. They can't figure out what happened. They, they just know they found the hikers completely naked oh. in these weird positions, mm-hmm. and, like, pieces of their body were eaten. Mm-hmm. They can't figure out mm-hmm. who ate them. Like, eyeballs, tongues were missing, stomachs were oh, missing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The autopsy can reveal if they had hypothermia or Mm -hmm. if high levels of cortisol, if they were running in fear or something like that. And apparently, nothing. They were actually fine. They weren't intoxicated, Mm -hmm. nothing. And then there's a theory saying that one of the stages of hypothermia is feeling that you're hot. Yep, yep, yep. So people have a tendency to take off their clothes. Yeah, yeah. And that's what they feel that that happened because when you went to the, the campsite, their clothes were like folded neatly with their shoes and put to the side. And oh, and it's like wow. they just ran out of their camp, all seven of them. Yeah, that is ve- very So did, did you confirm that it, it was based on that real no. story? Oh, okay. But it is. You know yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Jodie Foster, a great actress, but I have to say something and you may not agree, but are you familiar with one of my favorite actresses, Toni Collette? Yes. I feel she would have been better for that role. Okay. I think Jodie Foster's great. Tony Collette would have been perfect for that. Okay. No shade, Jodie. Once <laughs> again, no shade. You're not prettier than a cat. And I think, <laughs> I think Tony Collette's got you on this. But you know what? Overall, I would give it a six out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Really? Yeah. So far. So, because the story, cat, you know where we're at. Like, it better come full circle because yeah. right now I am lost in the fucking snow. I have no idea what the fuck's <laughs> going on. There's a mine. It, there's people dead. I think it will, though. Like, I think it will kind of come back. I hope so. Because, I don't know. I think it will. We watched the episode five the other night, and I had no idea. Like, I was so into it. Chris was asleep the yeah. whole time. <laughs> I was. He was, like, woke up, like, the last five minutes. But he had been working all day, so we we watched it after he got home yeah he's like he woke up in like the last few minutes he's like how long has this been on because <laughs> it has that effect on you because it's so slow moving at times that you can fall asleep and then wake up but it's intense i and i like i like the intensity it is intense it is intense I'll and that. that one time where what's the other uh the trooper's name i don't know the name but i know who you're talking about the other yeah she's got the pierces in her dimples yes mm-hmm. and she turned around and there was that thing that was standing right there yeah i screamed do you have a theory about that i think that's something to do with the bloodline that's kind of what they've been alluding to Ooh, i didn't think about that that's a good that's a good theory yeah being a native uh, alaskan with whatever tribe or because it's been her mother her sister right. the other girl annie kowak the one of the the victim that lost her tongue yes. like she's tied into that somehow but it ha- i think it has to do with that and maybe, wow. maybe something to do with the water treatment facility. I, I think so. I think you're on to something there. There's only two episodes left. Oh, there's two? Okay. I think there's two episodes left. All right. Chatters, go yeah. watch it. I could talk about it's this good. all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, to, I guess, segue into our topic yes. for today. <laughs> so you wanted me to do an intro on the dark side of nursery rhymes. And Chatters, Natalie's got a plan plan for the next couple episodes that she's gonna do yeah it's gonna have they're all gonna be kind of tied in together so jump in strap in white knuckle at the steering wheel let's do this (laughs) straighten out your (laughs) tiaras right okay so from plagues to execution nursery rhymes were not always meant to be sung to children Uh 
Some nursery rhymes have hidden meanings because they generally hide political drama and parodies of historical events, propaganda, veiled criticisms of those in power, or messages of discontent and come from times when you couldn't speak about, speak out against your government or against your king or your queen or the punishment would be death, right? Yeah. So they would make up these like little nursery rhymes to kind of take little stabs <clears throat> at those in charge. Now, using a song and poetry was a way to disguise and share opinions and stories by disgruntled people from the past in order to avoid jail or punishment from those in authority by making them also kind of fun and playful. Some English nursery rhymes go back as far as the 14th century, while some are from 15th, 16th, 17th century. Most of the classics that we still kind of sing and know today are from around 18th century. Hmm. So I got a list. I've got an eight. <laughs> I am going to pull up and give you a little bit of history about it. So Baba Black Sheep, number one, is from 1731. Wow. Though most scholars agree that Baba Black Sheep is about the great custom a tax on wool that was introduced in the year 1275. Its use of the color black and the word master led to some wonder whether or not there was a racial message at its center. Its political correctness was called into question yet again in the later part of the 20th century, with some schools banning it from repeating it in classrooms. And others simply switched out the word black for uh, Baba Rainbow Sheep. Hmm. Which is interesting alternative. Yeah, that's weird. And that was around 2011. So number two, London Bridge is Falling Down. Oh, yes. This came out in 1744. And depending on who you ask, London Bridge is Falling Down could be about the year 1014 Viking attack or the normal deterioration of an old bridge. Mm -hmm. More specifically, many sources tie the nursery rhyme to the alleged destruction of the London Bridge at the hands of Olaf II of Norway sometime in the early, like, 10th century. Right. So, side note, the linguistics class that I just took, we talked about the creation of English and how it's like a, it's a child to, like, uh, the other languages it came from it's a germanic language right so we developed english but how we got english as we know it today in like the modern english era mm -hmm. we talked about old english we talked about middle english we talked about early modern english but a lot of it goes back to the fact that when britain was discovered it it came from it was from germany so they were speaking german but because they the island they were isolated from the mainland mm -hmm. They developed their own dialect naturally. And then they also had the Vikings in like uh, Norway come in and have an invasion. It was a lot about who was in power and all that kind of stuff. It was super interesting. Really long story. It is interesting. Yeah. But it says also, um, for back to London Bridges falling down, they say the alleged destruction of the London Bridge because some historians don't believe that this ever actually took place. The song's popularity around the world is often cited as further proof that it was the Vikings who created it. And I mentioned the Vikings came and invaded Britain. Right. Believing that they brought the tune to many places that they traveled. Oh, okay. So number three. <laughs> Mary, Mary, quite contrary. How does your garden grow? Aww. This was from 1744. Contrary is one way to describe a murderous psychopath. Mary Mary, quite contrary, contrary. This popular English nursery rhyme, which reads like a solicitation for gardening advice, <laughs> it's actually, according to many, a recounting of the homicidal nature of Queen Mary I of England, a.k.a. Bloody Mary. We've talked about yes. Bloody Mary before. Yeah. yeah. A fierce believer in Catholicism, her reign as queen from 1553 to 1558 was marked by the execution of hundreds of Protestants. Silver bells and cockle shells, which is also in the rhyme in this understanding, are actually considered to be torture devices and not garden accouterments. Oh my god, that's creepy. Oh man. So interesting. Yeah. I didn't know I didn't that know one. That I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Jack and Jill, number four is from 1765. One of the most common theories surrounded the story's origin is that it's about Francis Louis the 16th and his wife Marie Antoinette, who were both found guilty of treason and subsequently beheaded. The only problem is that those events occurred 30 years after Jack and Jill was first written. So, mm. even though some people think that's probably what it's from, it's not. Mm. 
The more likely story uh, attributes to the rhyme to the 17th century king of England, Charles I. Apparently, he attempted to increase taxes on alcohol, which were generally measured in units known as jacks and jills, but with a J or G I L L S, mm-hmm. jacks and jills. After that failed, he instead reduced the jack about one eighth of a pint, and in turn, the jill, G I L L, which is twice the size of a jack. So jills increased price then came tumbling after <gasps> so like oh. so it was based on monetary values the jack and the jill oh i wanted did we hit on any of that during the rum rebellion i don't think so oh okay i don't remember that that was that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> it was number five rock a baby yes from, also from 1765, one interpretation of this famous lullaby is that it's about the son of King James II of England and Mary of Modena. It's widely believed that the boy was not their son at all, but a child who was brought into the birthing room passed off as their own in order to ensure a Roman Catholic heir to the throne. Wow. Yeah. Number six is Three Blind Mice from 1805. Three Blind Mice is supposedly yet another ode to Bloody Mary's reign, with the trio in question believed to be a group of Protestant bishops, like the Three Blind Mm. Mice, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Radley, and Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, who unsuccessfully conspired to overthrow the queen, and they were burned at the stake for their heresy. Critics suggest that the blindness in the title refers to their religious beliefs. Mm. Interesting. Oh, that's deep. Okay. Yeah. Number seven, Ring Around the Rosie. Yes. That's from uh, 1881. Though its lyrics and even its title have gone through some changes over the years, the most popular contention is that the singy-songy verse refers to the 1665 Great Plague in London. The Rosie is the rash that covered the afflicted. Mm -hmm. The smell from which they attempted to cover it up was a pocket full of posies. Mm -hmm. The plague killed nearly 15% of the country's population, which makes the final verse, Ashes, Ashes, we all found down rather self-explanatory yeah but snopes debunked this i found that in another article Mm. so instead the nursery rhyme probably has origins in the religious ban on dancing and are in footloose Mm -hmm. among many protestants in the 19th century in britain as well as here in north america adolescents found a way around the dancing ban with what was called in the United States a play party. Play parties consisted of ring games, which offered square dances only in their name and their lack of musical a- accompaniment. So they, basically it was a way for them to dance yeah. without getting in trouble. And they were hugely po- like a real world footloose. Yeah. Like a, an actual footloose. Yeah. Okay. I like the original um me too. <laughs> I'm dark. But apparently it's been debunked. They were hugely popular and younger children got to dance and be in the act as well. And then the last one, Humpty Dumpty. Mm. So there's two versions of this. Both of them came out in the 18th century. The oldest known lyrics are from 1797 and they go like this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Four score men and four score more could not make Humpty Dumpty where he was before. Never heard that one? No. But then, of course, the one that we probably are most accustomed to today is Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Yes. That's the one that I remember as like a kid. Yeah. But apparently there was an, a, an original, like a different lyrics. So there's a few theories about this rhyme. Some historians believe that Humpty Dumpty was simply a device for a riddle around breakable things. Uh Others suggested that Humpty Dumpty is King Richard III of England, who supposedly was humpbacked and who was defeated at the Battle of Bosworth Field in the year 1485. And another theory is that Humpty is actually a cannon. (laughs) (laughs) During the the English Civil War, uh, history says a one-eyed gunner named Thompson managed to get a cannon, colloquially called Humpty Dumpty, to the top of a tower of St. Mary at the walls of the church and wreak an untold destruction of the forces below. Before the return, cannon fire dislodged the pair of them, hence they had a great fall. Which one do you believe? I don't know. I mean, it's... I think the one about King Richard III is funny. Yeah. <laughs> but I could see it where, like, Humpty Dumpty is just is a canon. Yeah, I never thought of that. I think the King Richard one is probably the 
what we think, right? Well, if it if it's the cannon, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, had a great fall. Yeah, I mean, shooting the cannon out, all the king's horses and all the king's men. Like once the cannon shot, that's what it was saying that it had a great fall because it broke down. Right, and then you couldn't put it back together again. That is interesting. I think this one is probably more more logical. They're creepy as fuck. Regardless, <laughs> in order to kind of coincide with these nursery rhymes that i just went over we've mm-hmm. got mary and her little lamb uh-huh. we've got humpty dumpty mm-hmm. i did do um i didn't mention little muffet sat on her tuffet with the little spider what the fuck is a tuffet so there's that What's one a tuffet little miss what am I, is it, oh. it's like a mushroom little miss muffet sat on her tuffet eating her courage curds and whey long cave a spider sat down beside her and chased miss muffet away i want to say it's a mushroom or something i don't know <laughs> She was high <laughs> because I got high. Um, so Baba Black Sheep is right. right here. And then there's Jack and Jill. Did you just totally design that? Yes. I did all of this. But I put a bunch of different things. Like I found yeah. a bunch of different things to put it together. That's adorable. So this, I, I borrowed like Jack and Jill. I borrowed some of the other things. But I put them all together in one. That's adorable. Love it. And Crime Chat is in the sunshine. Yes, I see it. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> So there is your nursery rhymes and kind of some of the dark side. My favorite, my favorite, yeah, is Mary Mary Quite Contrary. How does your garden grow? Of the ones that we talked about, so yeah, I didn't know that about uh, Bloody Mary though. I didn't know there was a connection. Apparently, allegedly, who knows? The the most eerie one that I've ever heard is Ring Around the Rosie mm-hmm. because you know, you know, it's like about the Black Death singing it with such glee is super creepy because you know. People were yeah. singing that to kind of avoid what the the real I mean, life freaking devastation that the Black Plague took over. I can I was living in England when I was teaching my older son that nursery rhyme. Oh my god! <laughs> and I'm just like <laughs> it, that literal. I just made that connection. <laughs> ah! That is crazy. Well, thank you for that intro. I love You're it. Welcome. It's perfect. <laughs> okay, cat. So okay. we're going to have um, the next three episodes are going to be Yay. a uh, chapters of a volume. And the volume is called The Darkness of Disney. Okay. You know Disney, right? You mean The Wonderful World of Disney? The Wonderful World of Disney. And each <laughs> chapter is going to consist of fictional, non-fictional. It's going to be some murder there's going to be a lot of mystery, but there's going to be a lot of mayhem. Even Patrick Mahomes and his family stood there right after they celebrated the winning. Mm. And there was a Disney commercial that they filmed right then. What the fuck? Yeah. We're going to Disney World. Like as, I mean, the confetti's going and everything. It was obvious that, that they just won. Mm-hmm. And whoever was there, they're like, got it. You know they pay them immediately. Well, no. And that's what I'm saying. Every yeah. Olympian. What are you, you going to do next? Oh, I'm going to Disney. Well, I grew up in Florida and I, we used to go to Disney a lot. Mm-hmm. At my senior trip, we went to Disney. It's the most magical mm-hmm. place on earth. <laughs> I say I took my kids there. It's been years and years and years since I've been back. And I'll probably take my granddaughter there at some point, but yeah. Ooh. It's got something for everybody. It really does. It does. I mean, they put it on a good show. But, you know, once again, I live in Florida. And uh, if you watch the news, you know Florida is fighting away with Disney. Yes. With the governor, right? It's- oh, so Wine and Crime, they did an episode on Disney. Did they? Not that long ago, a couple months ago. Yeah, yeah. And that was the first I heard about the whole Disney DeSantis. Oh, yeah. They're fighting it out. Debacle. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I have no idea. But Florida is here for it. We're just like, grab your popcorn. <laughs> We're going to do it. We're, whatever's going to happen, it is what it is. We're Florida. Chapter one is called Disney Fairy Tales versus the Grim Reality. Mm. In this episode of Crime Chat, we're going to peel back the layers of Disney's fairy tales and explore one of the darker sides of Sleeping Beauty. I think I remember hearing something about how they came up with that story. But it's been a long time, so. Actually, there's a couple of beginnings to Sleeping Beauty. And then we're going to also get into, like, Sleeping Beauty in today's culture. There's a movie that I I need you to watch because I need your opinion about it you're probably gonna be you're, you're gonna need a bottle of wine to watch it because it's pretty sick but anyway so i've, I've got a head start in my crime okay. class. <laughs> let's get started the darkness of disney is a phrase often used to describe the hidden and darker elements within disney 
Disney is renowned for its enchanting fairy tales, beloved characters, and magical worlds. There is an aspect of its storytelling that dives into the more mature and complex Mm -hmm. themes. Mm -hmm. Disney, the company, has controversies and criticisms about it. While Disney is often associated with magic, creativity, and family-friendly, family-friendly, say that five times fast, (laughs) family-friendly entertainment... The company has faced scrutiny and backlash for a variety of reasons. Some include labor practices, Mm -hmm. including allegations of low wages, poor working conditions, and outsourcing many local jobs. There have been reports of labor violations in Disney theme parks and especially like overseas manufacturing facilities. Another one is copyright and trademark issues. Disney is known for aggressively protecting its intellectual property through Mm -hmm. trademark and copyright laws. Uh Critics argue that Disney's enforcement of these laws can be a little excessive, which leads to the term Disneyfication. Disneyfication. Disney Disneyfication. Disneyfication. <laughs> Sounds like not a Disney vacation. Disneyfication. But I've never heard that word before. No, me either. Moving along. Next one is monopoly and corporate power. Disney acquisitions of various media companies, including mm-hmm. Pixar, mm-hmm. Marvel, mm-hmm. Lucasfilms, mm-hmm. and 21st Century Fox, has raised some concerns about the company's growing influence and control over the internet entertainment industry i mean especially when they bought out lucasfilms and they own all of star wars now they own all of marvel now and they're not even doing it justice so. i know breaks my heart i mean mandalorian rocked yes it's freaking rocked and what the fuck but anyway moving along <laughs> Environmental impact. Mm -hmm. Disney theme parks, film production, and consumer products have a significant environmental footprint. Mm -hmm. Disneyland alone here, it's huge. I can only imagine the amount of trash that that place produces. Mm -hmm. We know Florida is fighting with that particular establishment. We'll just say that. Uh, Next is the treatment of animals. Cat. Mm -hmm. Disney has faced criticism for its use of animals in in entertainment, including the theme parks and films. Mm -hmm. Activists have raised concerns about the welfare of animals used in the Disney productions and attractions. Have you been to Animal Kingdom? I have a long time ago. Yeah, I I went, I mean... My kids were still in strollers is how long ago it was. And they're both adults and I'm a grandma now. So that's yeah. it's been a long time. But it wasn't too long after Animal Kingdom opened as like a yeah. separate park of the, you know, the Disney parks that I went. Back then, were there criticisms on Disney the way they are today? So I don't know. I mean, that was probably 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's been open. Alexa, when did Animal Kingdom open? Oh, 1998. It feels like it's been around mm-hmm. forever. That was the that was the year my oldest was born. So does it not feel like it's been around forever though? The Animal Kingdom. It, yeah. Okay. So he's and he's like he's 25. So it's been open for 25 years. But they were he, he was probably four and Matthew was probably yeah. two. Wow. You know when they when they went they were they were like I said they were in stroller they we had a double stroller. <laughs> Listen, they're spoiled. When I grew up, I had Six Flags. An action park. Action park where people were dying, okay? They were flying off the roller coasters. There were so many deaths. Yeah. In Jersey. So many deaths at action park. Well, that's what I'm saying. You had to go to Jersey. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's just so kidding. true. I've been there, though. I've been I've been to the, to the Six Flags yeah, in That Jersey. was good, actually, Six Flags. I liked it. I like it Six was good. Flags. I can't ride roller coasters anymore, though. Also, I remember the year that the uh, haunted house burned oh. down. Oh, what happened? Oh, there's an ambulance. Everything okay? Do you want to check on somebody? Oh, well, because my <laughs> I'm, I'm facing the window and my window's still open. The sun just went down, but like my window's still open, and I just see these flashing lights go by. Do you want to check on everybody? <laughs> I'm being the nosy neighbor. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Okay. I had an ambulatory di- digression. Growing up, I remember when going through the haunted house. I was in the haunted mm-hmm. house, and like the following year, it burned down and killed all those people. Oh. Overall, while Disney is beloved by many for entertainment, the company is not immune to criticism or controversy. Mm-hmm. Today, we're going to explore the captivating origins of one of the most beloved fairy tales of all time, Sleeping Beauty. Mm. We're going to be taking a look at three older versions The story of Sleeping Beauty has been enchanting audiences for centuries. Further, you go back in time, the Mm -hmm. worse the story gets. 
It just gets darker and darker and darker. Aquatafana? Yeah, like that level, like real bad. <laughs> and the earliest version of the tale is traced back to the 14th century, and it's in Italian folklore. Well, Italians have done quite a bit. Yeah. Julia Tafano was Italian. Oh, Leonardo Tincilli was Italian. <laughs> well, let's compare the Disney version to the origin stories. Okay. In the original animation of Sleeping Beauty, Disney credits Charles Perrault, who wrote Sleeping Beauty as a part of his collections of his fairy tale book titled Tales and Stories of the Past with Morals. That's a great title. Gets to the point. <laughs> Definitely gets to the point. This uh, was published in 1697. This collection included several well-known fairy tales such as Cinderella, Little mm. Red Riding Hood, and Puss in Boots. Puss in Boots was back then? But isn't this a movie today, Puss in Boots? Yeah. Antonio Banderas plays. Yes. the voice okay. of Puss in Boots. Yeah. The origins of Puss in Boots started in 1697. Wow. So Peralt's version of Sleeping Beauty is one of the earliest recorded versions of this tale in European literature. Mm-hmm. Peralt's Sleeping Beauty, titled The Sleeping Beauty in the Woods, begins with the joyful celebration of a royal birth. The long-awaited arrival of the beautiful princess, the king and queen invite all the fairies in the kingdom to bestow blessings upon their newborn daughter, except one who was known to be wicked. (laughs) Despite being excluded, the wicked fairy appears at the christening regardless to crash the party, and she delivers a curse upon the infant princess. She predicts that on her 15th birthday, the princess will prick her finger on the spindle and die. Mm. However, one of the good fairies softened the curse a little bit and altered it and said that, okay, the princess won't die, but she will fall asleep for 100 years instead. Yes. So that's how kind of that, how that happened. Determined to protect their daughter, the king and queen banished all spindles from the kingdom. Mm-hmm. However, the princess's 15th birthday, fate intervenes. While exploring the castle, she discovers an old woman spinning at the spindle mm-hmm. and becomes curious. Despite the warning, she pricks her finger and falls asleep into a deep slumber along with the entire kingdom. The years pass, the thick forests of thorns grow around the castle, concealing it from the outside world. Many princes attempted to break through to catch a glimpse of the beautiful princess, but none succeeded until a hundred years passed. Finally, a brave prince makes his way through the thorns and discovers a sleeping princess. Moved by her beauty, he leans down and kisses her gently. At that moment, the curse is broken and the princess awakens along with the entire court. And miraculously, she's still 15 and it's been 100 years. (laughs) Oh, so we we get to that too. Okay. (laughs) So overjoyed by the prince's arrival, the king and queen welcome him with open arms. The prince and the princess are married and they live happily ever after. Yeah. Right? Aww. So sweet. Peralt's Sleeping Beauty is a tale of love, destiny, and the triumph of good over evil. Its timeless charm continues to captivate audiences all over the world at all different ages, reminding us of the power of one true love's kiss. <laughs> so Disney's version, they made several changes to Peralt's version. They introduced like characters and storylines, and they changed things like the princess's name. They changed it to Aurora. Mm-hmm. Where originally in um, Peralt's Sleeping Beauty, her name was Briar Rose. Oh, okay. In Peralt's version, the prince simply awakened Sleeping Beauty with a kiss. Disney added a romantic subplot with Aurora and Prince Philip meeting and falling in love before mm. Aurora pricks her finger. I guess this is to make it less rapey or less weird. Or, or, or less like child abuse almost like they they were meant to be each other because they knew each other already so he kissed her naturally instead of a stranger coming up to you and just like pissing you while while you're sleeping i don't know if a stranger would come up to me and kiss me and i'd be like oh i'm you know you're my one true love (laughs) especially if i was sleeping yeah ask chris i don't like to be woken up don't touch me when i'm sleeping don't touch me (laughs) don't touch me when i'm sleeping so now while maleficent is the villain in both versions disney's portrayal (laughs) of her is epic she is more predominant and complex in the film maleficent is depicted as a powerful sorceress with a personal vendetta against aurora and the kingdom the iconic scene 
when Mal- Maleficent transforms into a dragon, mm-hmm. how can you forget? Mm-hmm. And the battle between Prince Philip and Maleficent, all additions added by Disney. They just added on to it. Amazing additions yeah, yeah. added by Disney. But you know what? Maleficent has a backstory here too, and you're going to be shocked. Yeah. There's a reason why Angelina Jolie played such a good Maleficent. Because if oh. you truly understood Maleficent's backstory, you may be kinder to her. Okay. Hint, hints. Overall, Disney's Sleeping Beauty retains the core elements of Perrault's tale. Many think that the Grimm brothers, Jacob and Willem Grimm, had a hand in writing this tale, but Sleeping Beauty was not amongst the stories in their famous collection titled Children's and Household Tales, commonly known as the Grimm Fairy Tales, Mm. which was published in 1812. So have you ever watched the Grimm television series, Grimm? Yes. I love love that. I love it. I love so it. good. Love it. So also, good. Once, a, once Upon a Time. Have, do you remember Once Upon a Time? You know what? I'm Girl. glad you mentioned that because yeah. that is something that I've always wanted to watch. I'm glad you said it because now it's coming back. And I was like, okay, I need to go back and watch that. But I love Grimm. Yes, Grimm is excellent. And the the lead character is kind of hot. So. Yeah, he is hot. Those eyebrows. Oh, my God. Yeah. Man, like eyebrows like that. Like J- Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, my God. All right. But <laughs> you need to watch... Once Upon a Time, because that is just, the entire season is just like a culture spin Mm -hmm, on just mm -hmm. epic tales that you grew up with. And then the true love's kiss at the end flips the script. It flips it. And you're like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. And it's just so heartwarming. Uh, uh, This is going to warm that icy heart, cat. It's going to warm it. Well, I don't do heartwarming. (laughs) So speaking of I don't, Mm. I don't do like touchy feely and heartwarming and everything. Chris got me a Valentine's Day present. And isn't this a beautiful cup? But there's something that that looks like there's more to that design that I'm not seeing close up. Yes. The underlining. (laughs) So in the little flowers, they look so pretty. They're so pretty. It says, what the fuck? This is bullshit. Fuck that. What the fuck? <laughs> is that flower telling me off it's right now? It's saying, fuck off, fuck it, fuck off, fuck it, fuck off, fuck it. And then there's another one, oh, right here, where it's just like, it just goes, fuck, 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 all the way around. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I thought you would like that cup. And I was like, I do. I really, really do. <laughs> and you can carry it around anywhere. You can go to, you know, like. Yeah parent-teacher conference and nobody will know you can go to disney Disney. you can go to disney and no and it's family friendly i mean and they're it's not like they're small like you at first glance you're not going to be able to see right read between the lines the writing it's it's between the lines it's the underlining meaning which is i think where i live (laughs) in the underlining meaning (laughs) that's great oh my god okay oh my god we're having way too much fun with this episode (laughs) i know we are So back to Grimm yes. is, is amazing. I'll watch yes. Once Upon a Time. It's on, It'll be on my to-do list and go. So the Brothers Grimm collected and compiled folk tales of various sources and published them in their collections while they collected and recorded many well-known fairy tales such as Cinderella, Snow White, mm-hmm. Rapunzel. Sleeping Beauty was not amongst them. However, okay. they did include a similar story and it was titled Little Briar Rose, which is also known as Sleeping Beauty. That was the original name of Sleeping Beauty anyway, right? Briar Rose. Briar Rose, yeah. So they kind of flipped it and changed it and kind of took what they wanted from it, but it's not, you know, the original. Yeah. Let's explore the Grimm brothers and how they changed it. Their story was published in 1812, titled Briar Rose. Mm -hmm. The Grimm's focused less on the princess and more on the prince's journey to find her. The prince kind of learns of the castle, the hidden castle, and who was behind it. And he ended up fighting bravely through the thorns and that whole border that happened around the castle. Because he's a man and needs to save the girl. Right. He's a prince. And um, he's armed with a kiss, and let's do this. <laughs> uh, and when he finally reaches Sleeping Beauty, he doesn't just kiss her. Oh, no, the Grimm's changed this part, too. They said a series of kisses all over her, so I'm just going to leave that there. I don't know what that means. <sighs> yeah, so... 
The Grimm brothers also introduced Christian themes into their version. Okay. The castle's inhabitants, including Sleeping Beauty, have been asleep for 100 years, symbolizing the death and resurrection of Christ. Mm. Additionally, the princess' struggle through the thorns mirrors Christ's crown of thorns. Yeah. Other than that, the 1697 Little Briar Rose stayed true to Peralt's version. Okay. <clears throat> but the original Sleeping Beauty is much older and much more terrifying. The original version, and you're going to have to help me with this name, okay? Because it's an Italian doozy. All right. The original version was Giambattista. Giambattista. Giambattista Basile. Giambattista Basile. That guy. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Geppetto, it's like more of a g yes. than a then we would think G is like George, like GM. Right. I think it's a G. Icy meatball. it meat the ball. Okay, this is just more. We need to do more in Italy. <laughs> yes, okay, we do. We do. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into the origin story. Bazzelli is an Italian poet and a fairy tale collector who lived during the 16th century and 17th centuries. We don't really know. Um, he is best known for his collection of fairy tales titled the. Tales of Tales, which was published posthumously between 1634 and 1636. They don't even know when he died. So, he, so I guess he would have. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say if he. So, well, 17th century is the 1600s, so. The Tale of Tales is considered one of the earliest and most significant collections of literature fairy tales in Western literature. It consists of 50 fairy tales told over five days by 10 different storytellers. One of the most famous tales is. Sun, Moon, and Talia. By the way, my nickname is Tala. Oh. Did you know that? I don't think you ever told me that. I love that. I love Talia. I love Tala. My parents only call me Tala, and my grandfather came up with the name. Oh. I was always Tala. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't why know don't why. I know that? How long? You don't even know me. <laughs> oh, my first horse was named Talistar. Aww. So back to the story. This is the original story of Sleeping Beauty. In this tale, the princess named Talia falls in a deep sleep after pricking her finger on a spindle, is later awakened by the actions of her children. So she wasn't 15, or was she? Oh, we're going to get into that. Yeah. yeah uh, get you. I'm, I, can you tell I'm stuck on that? The ick factor Just is about to bit. get real high. Okay. Once upon a time, there was a great lord who celebrated the birth of his daughter, Talia, by inviting all the wise men and fortune tellers to predict her future. After much deliberation, they decided that she was in serious peril from a piece of flaxseed. The great lord banned all flaxseed from his kingdom. But one day when Talia is, there's actually no age here. It just says that she's a bigger girl. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know. That could be such a range. I know. I know. Of ages. It's or sizes. Disturbing. Age and size. I mean, I was a big, yeah. I was a big girl when I was 10, uh, five. I was a big girl. I ate. I was when Italian. I, when I, when I was in middle school, they used to call me Twin Peaks. Why? Because my breasts were so big. In middle school. You were blessed. I mean. <laughs> oh. Okay. So she encounters an old lady spinning a piece of flaxseed. A piece of it gets caught under her fingernail and she falls down dead. And when her father hears about this incident, he is so sad that he props her up on this fancy chair, this velvet, fancy, fancy velvet chair by a window in an empty palace in the country. He shuts the door and tries to forget her forever. Just leaves her there to rot. Move on with his life. Okay. Typical. <laughs> Sometime later, another king who is out hunting loses his falcon in the same, like, abandoned area where this palace is located. And he sneaks mm -hmm. around the palace and he's looking around. And he's like, oh, this place is great. Why is it just like nobody's here? Where's my falcon? And he stumbles upon the sleeping or dead Talia. She was sitting lifeless in the chair that her father left her in. He calls to her, but she does not respond. She's basically dead. He's mesmerized by her beauty. And he picked her up and carried her over to her bed. And then it says in the story, he picked the fruits of love. Oh, basically, he rapes her. Yes. Whether she's sleeping or dead. Yeah. We don't know. However you I'm interpret gonna it. I'm going to have my way with you, yeah. woman. This is necrophilia. There's rape. I don't know what this is. Oh my God. After he's done with her, he just leaves her body in the bed and then goes home and forgets about it. Forgets what he did. And then nine months later, Talia, sleeping or dead, we don't know, once again, up to your interpretation, gives birth to twins. 
<laughs> a boy and a girl gave birth with the help of two fairies. I guess after she was just kind of floating in whether she's dead or alive, two fairies would check on her. So was she in like a purgatory? I don't know. It doesn't really say. It doesn't really <laughs> say, but once again. Based on interpretation. Yeah, there's a lot to, okay. there's a lot here. So once she gave birth, the two fairies then took the babies and then placed the babies by her breast to feed. And one of the babies accidentally starts sucking on her finger where the flaxseed splinter is and the flaxseed falls out and she wakes up. <laughs> now the story goes from that where she wakes up and then it goes to the king, the rapist oh, king. Geez. One day the rapist king was bored and he remembered the pretty dead girl and he decided to go back for more. He's like, oh, you know what? I'm bored today. Let's go back. And She's and not check. going anywhere. She's, She's not going still anywhere. there. Yeah. When he arrives, he was surprised to find her, one, awake, and that she didn't remember him, and because he thought she was dead. And also, he was actually elated and happy that she had two new babies. And he tells her, hey, listen, I'm the father. She's like, what are you talking about? I don't even know you. He's like, listen, when you were sleeping... I, I took the, the, the what, what they call it? Picked the fruits of love. Like I picked the, your fruit of love. Is that like popping your cherry? Yeah, I think so. It's probably all oh. connected. You know, it's all connected. Oh. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to unpack. It makes you icky, right? Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. I had a question and I forgot it because I'm just like. Now you know why Aqua Tafana fucking existed. <laughs> Okay. Surprise! I'm back! Oh, you're awake? Oh, but wait, I'm the father. At least he cupped that. At least she didn't feel the labor. True. Okay, there's that. Yeah. I mean, especially twins. Are you kidding? Yeah, it's probably very painful. Good God. They ended up spending a couple of days and nights together. And when he returned, because remember, he is a king of his own kingdom. When he returned to his kingdom, he was so excited to tell everybody about this woman and that, you know, he ha- he has two children and their names are Sun and Moon. Oh, Sun, Moon, and Talia. Okay. Yeah. Naturally, his wife. Oh, did I forget to mention he's got a wife? <laughs> I hate when that happens. Kings do that, don't they? Well, I guess queens do, too. Yeah. This man was going around his castle bragging about his children. And the queen, his wife, is, like, suspicious, saying, what children? So, apparently, they were unable to have children. She couldn't have children. She's going to say that. She probably couldn't have kids. She sent her trusted secretary to go spy on the king. And when he was going back and forth to the other kingdom to visit Talia... The secretary's like, oh, damn, there's a situation. He has another family. He has an entire another family. She brought the information back to the queen. And the queen is like, oh, no, yeah. this has got to end. This has got to stop. Yeah. And I don't blame her. No. Do you blame her? I like, don't blame her. You're married to me. I, but, I yeah. mean, the time that this was written, mm-hmm. it was kind of known but not spoken of the fact that king or queen would have – an affair because they only marry somebody f- to procreate and to you know to make sure that there's an heir, yeah. And they want to have that heir of good bloodline, yeah. So it's probably somebody that they they just do they just do the duty. It's not a wife. It's not your partner. It's just somebody you mm-hmm. bought who can produce mm-hmm. heirs. You're right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we talked about Napoleon a couple episodes ago, and he. De- divorced his first wife by the mere fact that she couldn't have children but he was absolutely in love with her even after he remarried she was able to give him a napoleon jr Mm. who ended up dying by the way and there was so there's no like direct heir to napoleon bonaparte karma yeah i don't know if you're catching this yet but you will but the queen who do you think the queen ended up becoming oh well maleficent right yeah, yeah. She's honestly minding her own business with her own kingdom. And Talia, although an innocent victim. Yeah, like had nothing, like she was dead. So as you can see, the queen, she does have a bone to pick, but she may take this a little far. So she ended up tricking, she sent the secret secretary back to Talia to invite her to her castle, saying that this invitation was from the king. But to let sun and moon Come visit first because you know what? There's so much to do and there's goodies and things for them to do. So let the kids come and play for the day. And Talia, not thinking anything of it, thinking that her king, mm-hmm. is her, the father, is asking to see the kids. She was like, oh, go. Yeah, absolutely. When they got there, she orders the cook to cook them in a various little dishes and delicacies. Mm. 
The cook sees the two children and takes pity and sends them to hide out with his wife. And then he served up two baby goats. The king comes home. The queen starts to serve him the specialty dishes. He starts eating everything while the queen is watching. She says, eat up for what you're eating is yours. It sounds like the the Game of Thrones. Oh my God, it it really is. A red wedding level. Yeah. Yeah, because she fed her... Or his, the, what was the, what king? Um, the old guy. You know what I'm talking about. The one that was yeah. responsible for the Red Wedding. I can't remember his name. I forgot his name too, but he was the creepy one that would marry his daughters. Yes. And his, yeah. So she repeated this three times and the king was sick of her saying it. So he yells at her and then he yells at her for being unable to have children. And then he storms out, mm. feeling the need for even more revenge she has her secretary invite Talia this time. Talia is confronted by the jealous queen. And I love how they friggin' scorn. They they immediately say the jealous queen. I don't know. I wouldn't call her jealous. I would be confronted by the wronged queen. Or mm-hmm. confronted by the queen who you need to now fucking say you're sorry to. Retrib- like, retributional? Right. Like, jealous is just a cheap... Oh, you're so jealous. Yeah, you're jelly. She blames her for the king's infidelity. Talia tries to explain it wasn't her fault. Quote, the king had taken possession of her territory while she was under a sleeping spell. The queen is too angry to listen to her and orders Talia to be burned in a bonfire. Oh my gosh. Not to be burned with her clothes because they're so fancy. And the queen like looked at her and said, you know what? I'd rather keep those clothes for myself. So no, you're right. Take off your clothes, put them on the side, and then we'll burn you. And every time she took off a piece of article of clothing, she would scream out. And then the king ended up hearing her and he ran to the room. Mm-hmm. The king looks at what the, what was happening and Talia said she killed Sun and Moon. And then the cook said, no, I didn't kill Sun and Moon and produce Sun and Moon. He put them aside, didn't actually, but told the queen that it was Sun and Moon. So the queen thought that they were actually cooked. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The king ended up throwing his queen in the fire along with her secretary (laughs) and then the king marries Talia right away the moral of the story is mentioned at the end and you're gonna love this Talia's meaning behind this whole story and I quote for those who are lucky good rains down when we are sleeping weird I don't know what that means like are you happy that he raped you while you were sleeping and you gave birth and delivered like I I don't know such a creepy story but There are some theories about the themes and symbolism in Sleeping Beauty of death and rebirth, Mm -hmm. obviously. Some interpretations suggest that the princess's enchanted sleep represents a symbolic death followed by her rebirth. Her uh, eventual awakening by true love's kiss mirrors the cycle of life, death, and renewal. Another one is coming of age. Another theory is that the story symbolizes the transition of childhood to adulthood with the princess's 100-year sleep, representing a period of dormancy Mm -hmm. or waiting for her to emerge Mm -hmm. into womanhood. Another one is sexual awakening. Some interpretations view the princess pricking her finger on the spindle as a metaphor of sexual awakening or the loss of innocence. Like like having your period? Yeah, I guess something like phallic uh, touching yeah. you, you know, like, like oh, what is that? Prickism? What is that? We went over this. We went over this with Rabbit Fish when people have to stick people with needles and it's almost like a version of sex. Yes. Remember, Albert Frisch would stick people with needles. Yes, yes, yes. I remember now. Yep. Another one is good versus evil. The conflict between good fairies and the evil Mm -hmm. fairies, Maleficent, has been interpreted as a battle between forces of good and evil. So now Maleficent, obviously, in the original story, is the queen, but she's also the wronged queen. So you kind of like sympathize with Maleficent. And I think that's why in today's interpretation or spin on the story where like Maleficent is now this weird fairy-like creature where she's been wronged Mm -hmm. But you kind of sympathize with her. Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. that's where all that's coming from. And another one is parental protection. The theory focuses on the protective instincts of the king and queen who try to shield their daughter from the curse by banning all spindles from the kingdom, even though it came back anyway. So you can't protect your children from everything. You kind of have to teach them how to live and protect themselves by themselves. I just got that. The spin. What? You were saying that's a spin on like the Maleficent. Yeah. But it was a spindle. But... The spin of it all. The it's spin. Just... But this is a fairy tale, right? What? Nope. 
The medical term is hysterical catalepsy, also known as an hysterical trance or dissociative trance. Mm -hmm. Psychological condition characterized by a temporary loss of voluntary movement and consciousness, where a person experiences disconnection from their thoughts, feelings, and identity is often associated with extreme emotional distress or trauma. I get that regularly. Yeah. (laughs) Just complete disassociation and disconnection. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) During one of these episodes, individuals may appear rigid or immobile with a fixed or statue-like posture. They may also exhibit other unusual behaviors such as mutism, unable to speak, insensitivity to pain, and a lack of response to external stimuli. Despite appearing unconscious, individuals are usually fully aware of the surroundings and retain some degree of consciousness. There's no cause for this. They don't understand it, but it's believed to be related to psychological Mm -hmm. factors such as stress and trauma and unresolved emotional conflicts. It's often seen in individuals who experience a significant psychological trauma Mm -hmm. or who have underlining mental health conditions such as anxiety or depressions. So there's no cure, and in some cases, medications may be prescribed to help alleviate symptoms for anxiety and depression. To help minimize the effect of it? They really can only just treat anxiety and depression here and treat the trauma. As far as th- them falling into this statue-like state, they, ha- they can't Hysterical, do anything. yeah. Cat, they know all this because there is a real-life Sleeping Beauty case. What? Dun, dun, dun. And that <gasps> is Carolina Olsen who was a Swedish woman who gained fame as the real Sleeping Beauty due to an extraordinary incident that occurred in the 19th century. Mm. According to historical accounts, Olsen was born in 1839 or 1841. They don't know. She lived in Sweden. Circa 1840. Yeah. (laughs) At the age of 14, she reportedly fell into a deep sleep that lasted for an astonishing 32 years. Sounds like a coma. It does. It really does. During her extended slumber, doctors and scientists from around the world visited her to study her condition, but none could awaken her from her sleep. Despite numerous attempts to wake her up, Olsen remained in a state of unconsciousness for decades. Mm -hmm. In 1911, is when she was in her early 70s, is when she suddenly woke up from her prolonged sleep. Her awakening was met with widespread astonishment and fascination. While the exact Mm -hmm. cause of her prolonged sleep remains unknown, her case has been subject to much speculation and debate amongst the medical professionals and historians. Some theories suggest that she may have suffered from a rare neurological disorder or form of canatona. Despite the mystery surrounding her extraordinary ordeal, Carolina continues to be remembered as one of the most remarkable cases of prolonged sleep in medical history. Now let's get into the movies. I'm just gonna... <laughs> this is the movie I need you to see on top of uh, Once Upon a Time. Okay. Sleeping Beauty, directed by Julia Lee, was released in 2011. This offers a contemporary and unsettling take on the classic fairy tale, exploring themes of power, desire, and agency. In this provocative film, the story of Sleeping Beauty is reimagined through the eyes of a young woman named Lucy, played by Emily Browning. Lucy is a university student struggling to make ends meet who becomes entangled in a secretive and lucrative world of high-end escorting. (laughs) Drawn into a mysterious underworld, she takes on the role of a sleeping beauty, consenting to be drugged into a deep slumber while clients indulge their darkest fantasies to her unconscious body. With this haunting atmosphere, the 2011 Sleeping Beauty offers a bold and uncompromising exploration of a taboo subject, Mm. leaving the lasting impression on audiences long after the credits roll. So I really think you should watch the movie. When I watched the movie, I didn't realize what I was watching. I didn't know what I was put. It was on Netflix. It's called Sleeping Beauty? Sleeping Beauty. Okay. The next time we continue our journey into the further of the darkness of Disney, it's going to be based in crime and mystery. Ooh. Until then, Kat, remember that not all fairy tales have a happy ending. Yes. We don't live happily ever after. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all Maleficent in the end. I know. But that's my story, Kat. It's a crazy story. But thank you for doing that story. That is freaking crazy. And I'm looking forward to the new chapters. It's a wonderful world. 
It's a wonderful world. It's a small world after oh. all. <laughs> well, because we want to leave you hanging chatters, for more information on this case, please check out After That Crime Chat, only available on Patreon. Yes, don't forget to follow us, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat, on all of our socials, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, which is X, Facebook. See what we got going on. Oh, yeah. So remember, Crime Chat with Nat and Cat. Remember, if you become a VIP chatter to our Patreon, you'll have full access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes, bloopers, and free merch. So be sure to check out our next episode. So I'm going to go ahead and still do my turn. But when Natalie comes back, she's going to go into Chapter 2. Yeah. So either way, you want to make sure you tune in and you don't want to miss it. I'll be there. I'll be there. Mickey will be here. Come on. The clown will be here. Let's do this. (laughs) Bye, chatters. Bye. Bye.